Well, it is a joy to be able to come and open God's Word with you this morning. Um, Over the past four weeks, Pastor Paul's been preaching a series on the fourfold gospel, and we've been uh, kind of delving into the core of who we are as the Alliance and in the fact that we believe that Christ is our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our Coming King. I love that song that we were just able to sing together as it brings all of those truths together and lets us proclaim them. Uh, So today I get the joy of starting off kind of the next part in this CMA DNA series, and we're going to now shift from looking at the fourfold gospel to the seven core values um, of the Alliance. And so... um, We're going to start with one that may not come first on the list, but it certainly should be first in our hearts uh, because it is foundational to all of the others. Uh, If we don't get this right, then what we think about prayer, what we think about stewardship, what we think about missions, and what we think about all of the other values that we have um, just kind of fall short because they're all rooted in this one, which is uh, our take on the Word of God. So as the Alliance, as First Alliance, right, if you look at our church logo, you'll even see on there the symbol that we represent ourselves is a Bible. Some of you may be like, it's a window, I promise you, it's a Bible. It is a Bible with a cross on it because Christ is at the center of the story of Scripture. And so we believe here at First Alliance and in the Alliance as a whole that the Word of God specifically knowing and obeying the Word of God, is foundational to all true success. In fact, that is the way that it's said in our core values, that knowing and obeying the Word of God is foundational to all true success. And so that is the value of the Alliance that I want to talk with you about today. And so if we're going to be talking about God's Word, then let's go to the source itself and go to God's Word uh, together. And so I would invite you, if you have your copy of God's Word this morning, uh, if you would open it to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. If you're following along on a phone or an iPad or if you're watching online and you want to follow along, I will be reading from the ESV this morning. Joshua chapter 1. You see, it's important that we get the foundation right. If the foundation's wrong, nothing else matters. My son Lawson has really developed a love for playing with Legos. And what he loves to do is he loves to get the small little Legos, like the four pip by four pip Legos, the the little small ones. And he likes to try and build as tall of a tower as he can, and then he sets it up. And then every time he gets so upset and starts crying, because as soon as he takes his hands off, it falls over and it breaks. Because there's no foundation rooting it. There's nothing there to hold it solid. Well, church, as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, the Word of God is the foundation for everything that we think, speak, and do. Not just when we gather as the body on Sunday mornings for worship, but every moment of every day as people who have submitted our lives to the Lordship of Christ and trust in the goodness of God and in who He has revealed Himself to be, His Word should be the foundation for everything that we do. And so as we come to Joshua chapter 1, 
And we're going to be reading verse 8, as you can see there. Kind of the backstory here, Moses has died. Joshua has now assumed a command of the army of Egypt or of Israel and is leading them after they've come out of Egypt and they're going to go into the promised land. And so uh, this is kind of the opening instructions here in Joshua chapter 1 that God is giving to Joshua as his commission as the new leader of God's people. And so we see in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So over the the next few minutes that we're together, I just want to work through this verse and just look at at these instructions that God is, is giving to Joshua. Because I think it's really subtle, but also it it tells us something very important, that God is commissioning Joshua to be the leader of his people, right? We know what's about to happen in the life of Israel. They're about to go into the land. They're about to face the Canaanites and all the other groups that are in there. They're about to have great military conquests, right? It's a song that we learn as little kids. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? And the walls came tumbling down. All of these great military conquests and battles and things like that are about to happen in the life of Israel. And God has said, Joshua, you are the person who is going to lead my people to do all of these things. And so he pulls him aside and he gives him these instructions about how to be a good military leader and use good strategy and formulate all these plans to go into battle. Except he doesn't. That's not the instruction that God gives to Joshua. As Joshua is about to face all of these things, right, God doesn't say, okay, here's how you assemble your troops, right? Here's the strategies that you'll use to gain an advantage over your enemy in battle as you take the land. No, the instruction that God gives to Joshua is to hold tightly to my word. If you are going to be a good leader, hold tightly to my word, right? Meditate on it day and night in such a way, I love how it says, that this book of the law, right, the word of God, we can use those words interchangeably here. He's referring to the books of Moses, that Genesis through Deuteronomy, that was the only written word of God that was available at the time. We now can expand this out and understand this to be the whole of Scripture in the way that God has through the illumination of the Holy Spirit given us and revealed himself through Scripture, we can equate these things, the book of the law with the word of God. And so his instruction to Joshua is simply that. Hold on to my word. Meditate on it day and night. Don't open it once a week on Sunday just when you're in your small group. Maybe even for 15 minutes every morning while you have some kind of quiet time. But he says, meditate on my word day and night. Can somebody explain to me a period of time in this world that is not covered by the phrase day and night? It is either day or it is night. There is no in-between. And so what God is saying to Joshua is he saying, every moment, every second of every day, meditate on my word. Think about my 
word. And in fact, he wants him to do it in such a way that right at the beginning of the verse, he wants it to do it in such a way so that his word will never depart from the lips of Joshua. That his word will never depart from the mouth of Joshua. He says, you are going to be the leader of my people, and so when you speak, I need to be the one speaking. You may say, great, that's awesome for Joshua. I'm not the leader of God's people. But what we are, and we find this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is that we are those who by the grace of God have been given the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit with the mission of being Christ's witnesses in the world. And so as the witnesses of Christ, as the heralds of Christ, we go out and we proclaim the King. And so when we speak, it needs to be God speaking through us. In every situation, in your workplace, in your home, when that telemarketer calls you at 6 o'clock in the morning, Always, when that person that you have a specific name for cuts you off in traffic. We need to be ones who are so founded principally on trusting in and holding to God's word that it is what comes out of us. Because as Christians in this world, By God's grace, he has called each and every one of us to be his mouthpiece of the truth and the reality of who he is. So, now the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? Or even why do we do that? And so again, we look at Joshua 1, 8, and he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Did you catch it? I'm going to give you guys, here we go. We're going to have a little, a little hermeneutics lesson here this morning. Pastor West owes me a dollar because I could fit in the word hermeneutics. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> we have a little hermeneutics lesson this morning. Purpose clauses are super important when you read Scripture because they tell you why God is doing what God is doing. And they help us to understand the mind and the heart of God behind the things that he's saying. So right there, he tells Joshua, right? He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth and you shall meditate on it day and night. God could have just said, for I am the Lord. And in my authority as the Lord, as the one who has spoken all creation into existence, as the one who has redeemed my people out of Israel by my hand alone, that's what I'm commanding you to do, so do it. But it's not what he says. God gives Joshua a picture as to why he's telling him to do these things. He says, meditate on my word day and night. Don't let the words of my law leave your mouth. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's a purpose clause. So that. Guys, when we're reading Scripture and we see that so that, we need to dial in on what's about to be said because it is explaining literally the heart of God to us. Why is God working? Why has God given us His Word? 
Why has God revealed himself in such a way that we can have a, a, a written testimony of who he is and what his standards are and his character? It's so that we have something to go back to constantly in order that we may be able to live in accordance with all that it says. Knowing and obeying the Word of God is fundamental to all true success. It's not one or the other. It's not just knowing the Word of God. I love the way that James puts it as he's describing uh, the, the relationship between faith and works. And so he brings up this huge point of theology, right? The very trinity itself. And to his, to his readers, he says, you believe that God is one. Great! So do the demons. What's the difference? What's the difference? What is the difference to, to just know the realities and the truths? Even if you are right on every minute detail of theology, even if you can read the Bible and you can understand, or understand every intricate thing that is going on there, and you can understand how it all fits together, which none of us can, but even if you could, it does not matter unless it changes the way that you live. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But until you put that knowledge into practice, it doesn't matter. Knowing and obeying. Again, I see this with Lawson all the time. When he will I'll inevitably catch him doing something he's not supposed to be doing. And so we'll have that Lawson and dad talk. I'll say, Lawson... Did you know that you shouldn't have done that? Yes. Did you choose to do it anyway? Uh-huh. He knew the right thing to do. But knowing the right thing to do is not what matters. Doing the right thing is what matters. And so in order to do the thing, you have to know the thing. But if you just know the thing and you don't do the thing, then it's absolutely nothing. You can know the depths of Scripture. But if you do not allow them to form and to shape who you are and what you do, you might as well have just memorized a bunch of sports statistics. God says that we need to know His Word. We need to meditate on His Word. We need to grasp on and hold on to His Word. Why? so that we will be able to do all that it tells us. Guys, this is our very identity as Christians, and certainly as we are part of a denomination that is called the Christian and Missionary Alliance that has a huge heart for the nations and seeing the gospel going out to the nations because when Jesus, right, in Matthew 28, one of the passages that we cling to and hold on to the most, what does he say? He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them name, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. 
Pastor Paul's used this one on y'all before. So I hope you just saw what I did. That's not what Jesus says at all. He says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This is not just an Old Testament thing, right? This is not just an Old Testament obedience to the law that's, that's being talked about in Joshua 1 here. We don't get to draw that conclusion where we say, right, but now it's about Jesus and it's about grace. Fine, let's take Joshua completely out of the picture. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to go and make disciples. And how do we do that? We baptize them and we teach them all that Christ had commanded and we teach them to obey it. This is our identity in everything that we do. So I taught you a big theological word in hermeneutics earlier. Now I'm going to teach you some Greek. When we read Matthew 28, the, the main verb in Matthew 28 is not go. Right? We think about that being kind of the centralized point of Matthew 28. It is the commission to go out to the nations. But that, that, that's not the main verb. In fact, it's not a verb at all. It's a participle. And so really what it says is, as you go, as you're going, right, as the one who goes. So as you're going about the course of your life, what do you do? Now we get to the verb. Now we get to the action of the Great Commission. And it is baptizing and teaching and obeying. Those are what make up the commission of Christ to his church. Baptizing and teaching and obeying. And when do we do them? We do them as we go as we go about our life, day or night, in church, out of church, in your home, in your workplace, lying or sleeping, as Deuteronomy 6 would say it, when you rise and when you lie down, you have these conversations with your children and with your family. Knowing and obeying the word of God is fundamental and central to everything that we are if we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus. In fact, one of the earliest, one of the earliest names for Christians is they were literally called people of the book or people of the word because they held so closely to the authoritative writings through which God had revealed himself. If we are going to live out our God-given identity as his people, then we have to understand that this is not simply some Old Testament way of thinking about being obedient to the law of God. But it is all about knowing through the word who God is and what his character is, and then by obeying his word, reflecting that character and the reality of God's nature to a world who desperately needs to know him. The entire missional emphasis of our missional God starts with his people knowing and obeying his word. But that's not the only purpose clause that we get here. God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Great. Why? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. As I look back 
over the course of the history of the people of God. There are a lot of people who, who stand as, as giants of the faith that I have deep and great respect for. That, that have done things for the kingdom of God that I only would hope to be able to catch a glimpse of in my life and ministry. And one of the things that, that is common between most of them is that by the world standards, they had no success in their life. They lived in poverty. They lived in fear of their life. Maybe they lost their life. During the, back in the days of the Puritans, there were two guys, Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer. They were both pastors in the same town. And one Sunday, during service, they were both at the same time removed from their pulpits by force and taken to the town square and strapped to the same pillar there. And as the martyr's fire grew beneath their feet and they were bound together, Hugh Latimer turns his head to Nicholas Ridley and he says, play the man, Ridley. For today, by God's grace, we shall light such a fire for the gospel that I believe never will be extinguished. And then we know the rise of English Puritanism and the way that through the work of these types of men, uh, we see just faithful person after faithful person after faithful person, these long lines of people coming and serving the Lord and people coming to know the Lord and shaping and developing culture. And, but here's my thing, guys. If you asked the world, were they successful? Were they prosperous in what they did? They would say, absolutely not. They were tied to a stake and burnt to death. So we have to understand what it means for us as people, as God's people, as people not of this world, but as people whose citizenship is in another place, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in another kingdom. We don't belong to the kingdoms and the systems of this world, and so we don't judge our life, success, and prosperity by the standards of the kingdoms of this world, but we understand the success and the prosperity of our life by looking at the glorious eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And so we, we, all with the end in mind, that what does it look like as believers, as God's people, what does it look like for us to be prosperous and successful in all we do? It looks like Jesus being glorified and the kingdom expanding and more people coming to know him. And it actually has very little to do with us at all. And when we know and we understand the Word of God, that becomes very clear to us. My kind of mantra in ministry is one that I, I pulled from a missionary in the 1800s. And it is simply this. Live, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Maybe one of the greatest missionaries ever, William Carey, 
said this one time. He said, when I come to the end of my life, I hope that no one speaks the name of William Carey, but that they only speak the name of William Carey's God. Church, that is the drive and the direction and the impassioned focus that we need to judge the success of our life by. When we come to the end of our days, are people going to remember us or through our lives and through the witness of our lives, are people going to know and remember Christ? Who is our life about? The New Testament would tell us that we are bought with a price, right? The, the old has, has died, the new has come. We are, we are new creations in Christ. We don't belong to ourselves anymore, but through the sacrificial death of Christ, we have been bought by His blood. And so now, everything that we do, Everything that we do is all about Jesus. There is no greater success or prosperity in the life of the Christian than to be continuously molded and shaped more into the image of Christ. That is our goal, to look like Jesus. So that when when people see the way that Jesus responds to people in the New Testament, and they see the way that we respond and care for people now in this life, they say, I see the connection. You're acting like Jesus did. Making Christ known, being shaped into the image of Jesus, is the ultimate success that we have in this life life, and it is impossible to do without knowing and following the Word of God. Because when we don't, here's what we do. One of the, I remember one of the church, the church that I grew up in, our, our pastor, Greg, he, uh, he preached a series one time called Starbucks Jesus. And the whole point of his series was that we try and te- treat Jesus like Starbucks, where we go in and we say, well, I want my Jesus with uh, non-fat milk, and I want my Jesus with uh, extra cold foam. Or I want... And we, we create and we concoct our own picture of Jesus. But, but, the, but the fact is, and the reality is, that, that it is not our job to tell Jesus who he is because he has already shown himself to us. And we have a record of it here in his word. Not a dead word, but in a word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces to the very heart of a man and separates bone from marrow. That is the kind of word that we have that we hold on to. Friends, this is not just a dead book, but it is the living word of the living God that has the power to bring life through it to a dark and a dead humanity, all because of the one whom it reveals to us. What a shame it is that while people in, in China are, are, and around the world are so thankful that they would be in tears when somebody would put a Bible in their hand so that they finally have access to the Word of God while we have seven to ten of them sitting on our shelves at home that haven't been opened in a year. It is through the Word of God. It is through the way that Christ is shown to us and shows Himself in His Word 
that we understand and know who God is. We cannot say that we are people who love God if we ignore him. Knowing and obeying the word of God is fundamental for all true success. Because the end goal of our life is to look like Jesus. If I was an athlete, which I am not at all, and I wanted to imitate my game off of another particular athlete, I would study them. I would watch film on them. I would try and make my mannerisms and my motions look just like theirs. Church, if, if we want to imitate Christ, if we want to be shaped into the form of Jesus, then we need to know him. We need to study him. We need to see how he interacts with others. We need to see how he interacts with the Father. We need to see what his spiritual devotion is like in order that we can then take that knowledge of knowing and we can shift it into practical application in our life and obey what he does and follow in his pattern so that those same things that make up who Jesus is also now make up who we are. one day one day we will stand in his very presence what a glorious reflection it would be for the bride of Christ his church to stand reflecting his glory back to him and that fundamentally begins with knowing and following knowing and obeying the Word of God. But we're not just talking about success. We're not just talking about the end of the story, but also in the here and the now. And so, just before we close here, again, as God is commissioning Joshua to lead his people, knowing all of the battles and knowing everything that Joshua is about to walk through, all of the hardships he will face, the grumblings of the people, the stresses that he will be under, the storms that he will encounter. God tells him, hold to my word so that you may be careful to do according to all that it says. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, the Lord our God is with us second by second, moment by moment, day by day, as we face the struggles and the brokenness and the storms of this life. And he is with us. And he will guide us through and he will carry us through those in two ways. Number one, we know by the gracious by the gracious visitation of the Spirit and the indwelling of, of God's very Spirit Himself in us, but also through His Word.
God is with us through his word. The more of God's word that we can make a part of us, the closer we will be to truly knowing God. What would a Pastor TJ sermon be without a reference to an animated Disney movie? So here you go. There's a scene in The Lion King where Simba has run away and he's struggling in this internal turmoil of everything that he's about to face and, and everything that's coming and he doesn't know what to do. And, and so he cries out to his father who had died. Spoiler alert. And so his father comes to him in a vision type thing. But he says something. Mufasa says to Simba, he says, Simba, I am always with you because of everything that I've taught you. And I will always be in your heart because of that. Church, in a very similar way, we can face the storms of life and we can persevere through the trials of this world because we have held fast to the word of God and it reminds us of who God is, what he has done, what he is able to do, and it gives us hope for what he will do. There is nothing more practical no advice more practical that I could give to anyone walking through the storms and the hardships of a broken and sinful world than to meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. Because in it, you will see the testimony of a God who for centuries and millennia has walked with his people and has never once let them down you are struggling in this world, if you are struggling in life, cling to the word of the Lord and let its truth remind you of the God who is always with you and will never leave you.